All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcahy Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome, listeners, to episode 16 of the FS360 podcast, Financial Security 360, brought to you by Mulcahy Co. You are joined today by our host, Gavin Nash, and my new co-host. We've kicked Chris out of the chair, and I've got Thane Turley with me. G'day, Thane. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think uh, hopefully Chris will be listening to this. Because, you know, he's been downgraded. He's out of the co-host chair. It's up to Thane now. Well, I'll be interesting to see the views and the listens uh, on this podcast <laughs> compared to his. So exactly. hopefully we can get them up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, can, we, we, we don't want to give him too much time off because he's got to get back to work and do a bit with us. So, But um, thanks, Thane, for um, joining us. Thane's going to uh, run us through some very important um, uh, information today regarding the current um, state of the Australian economy and share market. Um, but also, um, we're going to make a bit of a feature this episode about talking about personal insurance, um, such as things like life, um, trauma, income protection insurance, and, and what they are, and um, dispelling some of the myths around those. Um, so yeah, welcome along, Thane, and we'll have a good chat about that as we go. Yes, no worries, I'd be glad to. Thank you. Um, just before we get into it, um, Thane, we're just going to update a few people on the coronavirus stimulus package setup um, at the moment. So um, just as a bit of a, a rundown, we're currently sort of in the in the middle of September. So JobKeeper ends this month. Um, it has been extended, or the JobKeeper 2.0 has been extended past the end of this month to March next year. But obviously, uh, as we've said in previous podcasts, people need to reapply. Um, there's some new rules around that as well. Um, you have to provide, I think it's a quarterly there's a sort of a quarterly um, income rather than a, a, just a one-month income test. So, yeah, so previously, once you qualified, you qualified and that was it, but now you have to keep re-qualifying and applying. So make sure you talk to your accountants about that. And I, I think it's mainly um, things kind of around getting the money to the right people, the right businesses. So we've said in a previous podcast it was JobKeeper was just announced because they had to get something happening straight away. Now they've had time to think about it and they've structured it. So the money will be going to the right businesses, those completely heavily affected by coronavirus. Yep. Um, Home builder package um, is uh, happening. So that's that's $25,000 towards a builder or renovation. Um, You need to apply and get approved for that before the end of December this year, Um, but you need to have started the work um, before March twenty, uh, March thirty one in twenty twenty one. So, um, also um, interesting statistic on that. Uh, yeah, go for heard it. the other day just for Ballarat. Um, I think building applications are up a hundred percent on this time last year. Really? So it seems like people are well and truly taking that up, um, particularly with interest rates down. Interesting, isn't it, Turles? Because when it first came out, I sort of thought twenty five thousand. Look, it, look, it's a lot of money in anyone's language, but. When you compare it to what a house on land is going to cost you, um, at the very minimum in somewhere like a regional town like Ballarat, it's going to cost you 400000 to build something uh, with the land component. So 25000 of that's not not really that much, but um, people have really taken it on. I know some local developers well, we do some work with. to the state government um, you know, stamp duty concessions and that as well. Yep. So it really does help. So I think for – And first home builder. Yeah, if yeah. you're a first home builder as well, you can add that on as well. So yep. – yeah, so I think it's uh, well and truly probably the younger generation well it is for that first home owner stuff. So yeah, I think uh, they're taking it up, which is what the government want to see. Interesting, those um, those building uh, permits are up by hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it does 
the local developers we do a bit of design work for, they've they found that um, land sales when coronavirus first started kind of plummeted. So if they've got a development on the go, they've sold 10 of the 20 blocks of land in that development, it just stopped, you know. And then all of a sudden once Home Builder was announced, it all started up again. So um, I think one of them had six blocks of land sold in, on the one weekend. So, um, yeah, that, that has really worked, I suppose. Um, so a bit of a pat on the back. I think that Home Builder, when it first came out, there was a lot of – people thinking it wasn't going to be very good. You know, I think there was a lot of people, there was a lot of, there are a lot of rules around it and the other stimulus packages. But a um, couple of other things, again, another one to talk to your accountant about, but uh, claiming the work from home um, has been announced. So that's sort of 80 cents um, for every hour that you've worked at home between March 1 and June 30. So that's a really good thing to for people that have been forced to go home. Help with the tax deduction, yep. Yeah, but obviously um, have a chat to your accountants about that one. Um, the... Uh, Australian government has introduced a code of conduct conduct released for the uh, commercial tenants and landlords um, to abide by um, uh, for when negotiating that. Uh, we had um, on a previous podcast, uh, Anthea from our legal department talk about the commercial leases and the commercial tenants um, and how much they were hit by coronavirus. So, um, but obviously one of the main things with that, uh, that code of conduct um, is that and claiming sort of reduced rent or or, or different kind of um, uh, tenancy um, rules is that they must be a job keeper claimer in order for that to happen. So that job keeper has really ended up being a piece of measurement for a whole lot of the stimulus packages, hasn't it? Yeah, well, uh, I will be releasing a video which was uh, predominantly around market update, but the statistics in that were household incomes were up by about 2% and largely that's been driven by job keeper, job seeker, um, you know, some people claiming superannuation, et cetera. So, yeah, look, it well and truly has helped and supported. Um, so, yeah. So. Really what it's been designed to do, I suppose. That's the whole idea of a government stimulus, isn't it? So That's it. Um, there's been quite a few too, Thane, um, that are Victoria only, just obviously being the, the most hit by the coronavirus pandemic, Victoria. So, um, right now, uh, the, the Vic, Vic government are offering a, a $450 post-testing isolation um, payment. So if, you, if you've been tested, you're waiting for the results, you need to go home um, until you find out if you're positive or negative, um, that you can claim a $450 payment if you can't go to work for a few days. Um, there's also a $1,500 self-isolation payment um, after a positive test. So if you're unlucky enough to have a positive COVID test and you need to stay home and isolate, um, but you're not in hospital or even if you are, I suppose, you can claim a $1,500 payment from the Vic government. Uh, on top of that, there's been some business $5,000 business grants that uh, Vic government's been handing out to, again, um, one of the qualifications was JobKeeper. Um, and just recently, last week, um, they've introduced a CBD business support fund and a regional tourism accommodation support fund. So there's quite a bit going on. Um, jump on the government websites um, to find out the real details of that. But we thought it was just important to run everyone through a five-minute update. There's quite a bit happening there. Uh, obviously, if you're, that's been the message the whole time through the podcast is just if your business uh, or your personal circumstance is affected, um, seek out those, those government initiatives and help. That's what we're here for. Um, and as, as we always say, uh, Thane, we've got a lot of um, sort of qualified professional people in our office network at Mulcanco. We've got five offices around Australia. So if there's anyone that needs uh, assistance with that, just to give um, one of our officers a call, um, and one of our professionals can help. We're going to move on to um, 
a lighter part of the conversation every week, which is our win of the week. Now, Thane, I'm going to beat myself on the chest here. Okay. Let's hear it. This week, this is the classic uh, uh, do a good job for one client and another client rocks along story. So um, we've been doing a website for a a local art organisation for about the last five years. Um, That art organisation's colleague does the same job but in WA, gives gives me a ring this week, has a chat, we need a new website. said, oh, no worries. How did you get on to me? (laughs) She said, oh, I'm – colleagues with this other person you do a website for us. They rave about you guys saying you do a great job on the website. So we just basically want their website because they're not in competition as such. They're both semi-government funded organisations running art um, art events. We basically just want that website but with all of our content in it. So um, that's that's a little win of the week we call it. But Congratulations. Thanks, mate. But it's uh, I think it always comes back to doing a good job uh, for your current clients and that'll always turn into some more work down the track as well as just a pat on the back. Um, this client had actually patted on the back one of my staff, um, Kate, who does a lot of work uh, in the web design and graphic design for us here. So particularly sort of made sure that I gave Kate a ring and said, look, you just got a big pat on the back. So I think it's good for staff. It's good for morale. Um, and the message out of it is try and do a good job for everyone every day. I think that's been some of your key messaging though, hasn't it, throughout COVID with uh, your marketing is keep talking to existing clients, dealing with them, uh, keeping them up to date. So that's what the podcast is designed for and the videos that we do and um, we're always happy to accept phone calls and emails, et cetera, to answer any questions. So as you say. Oh, well, that's good. That's And that's win of the week. I have hijacked win of the week quite a few times for, for the marketing division here. No, but I've given you the host. You can probably do it. Huh? But I'm, I'm hosting, so that's it. Um, that's good. Now, Thane, we've got you in today to have a particular talk about some of the um, things happening around financial planning. So the two sort of sections we wanted to go into today, uh, the first is to give us a bit of an update on the Australian economy and share market. And the second one is to, we're going to have a bit of a chat about some personal insurance and what that means. But now we recorded a video the other day, which is going out today on the socials. Um, So, um, which actually you gave a a nice uh, update on. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go and look at Thane's video on this topic, um, jump on the news page of mulkay.com.au. But Thane, how would you sort of sum up the current Australian economy and share market? Yeah, so in the in the podcast or the video that will be going out, uh, so the main comments or themes were that the Australian economy did contract by 7%, so we all knew that there was probably going to be a contraction, um, you know, particularly given that Victoria is the dominating state for gross domestic product across Australia and uh, by and large, you know, Melbourne Central was uh, in lockdown. So uh, whilst it was obviously disappointing, it wasn't a complete surprise. Um, we've also recently just had the large corporations of Australia, the ones that listed on the Australian Stock Exchange report based on their earnings and profits up until the end of 30th of June. Um, so most of those beat guidance. So what that really means is that analysts uh, in the investment uh, world uh, expected figures to be worse than what they actually come out at. Um, and I suppose for the retail stocks, um, particularly like um, Bunnings and um, Officeworks, Harvey Norman, etc., their financials as well were better than expected too. Obviously with a lot of people working at home, there was a lot of demand in terms of the computers and electronic goods and um, home office furniture, etc., 
So, look, revenues and profits were obviously down for those for those businesses, um, but not as bad as initially expected. Um, we've also seen the after an initial correction in Australian stock markets and international stock markets of about thirteen percent, they've recovered about half of that um, that gain. So they're st- still sitting at about fifteen percent lower than um, at the end of February two thousand and twenty. So I suppose whenever things happen or um, as you were commenting before, um, you have a coronavirus impact to economies, people start worrying about jobs and income, et cetera. And so you were saying about um, the developers that you do some marketing for or work for, how they'd noticed a drop off in terms of sales and demand immediately. So I don't know, as humans, we, sent, we tend to overreact sometimes, so positively and negative. Um, so when we knew that COVID-19 was really going to have an impact on the economy, we see share markets sell off um, well and truly. So that's where they fell by about 30%. And since then, they have recovered about half of that. And look, a large part of that too is that the government have come to help in terms of JobKeeper, JobSeeker and allowing you know some people to access superannuation early, etc. So... Um, you know, with that sheer weight of money and interest rates being cut as well by the Reserve Bank, it's all geared to try and help the economy get back to where it once was and continue to move on. And uh, so I suppose a similar episode in 2008 with the global financial crisis, um, you know, the fear that economies were going to shut down, the flow of money was going to stop, you know, between businesses, etc. But uh, once again, there was um, stimulus packages that were released then, if I think back, there was the pink bats and there was the um, school stimulus building packages, etc. So to keep um, builders in jobs, and you know, we've already touched on it earlier in this podcast about the home builder scheme. So there's all that type of thing coming to the fore. So looking forward, and that's what share markets do. They look forward. They don't operate on here and now. They look forward in six, twelve, eighteen months time. So. In 12, 18 months' time, do you think things are going to be better than what they are now? So if that's your anticipation or that's your thoughts, that's when you'll see share markets rise. Mm. So which is why the whole art of investing is to buy low, sell high. And that's the general uh, – I know that video we're about to release today um, kind of talks into this more detail, but the idea is to look – and there's actually a graph on that video where it talks about um, what share markets have done over a long, long, long period of time, like decades. And obviously with it's what markets do, they, they um, go up, they go down, that's sort of like a worm going along um, when you graph it. So I, th- I think the idea is that if you can hold, you know, um, your position rather than having to sell, again, if you've, if you've got cash and you wanted to invest, it's probably a good time because yeah, yep, the art of yep. investing is that, you know, you put your money in now while it's yep. down a little bit yep. and you get some gains later on. So I suppose no doubt your staff have been inundated with calls and uh, uh, a little bit from some Not of the, really. the people. really. Look, I know a lot of people think that, but um, really by and large, a lot of our work or hard work is done before or you want to have done before corrections or anything like that happen okay. in terms of you want to make sure clients are positioned where they need to be. And so with our Mulcanco portfolios where we can tweak and adjust continually, um, so it allows us to make those um, strategic shifts. So when we see share market valuations being overvalued, we can hold a bit more cash, et cetera. And likewise, when we see share market valuations or investment valuations lower, it allows us to invest more. Um, So that's one of the beauties of our 
separately managed accounts and managed discretionary accounts for clients of Mulcanco Financial Planning. So, um, but other than that, as an advisor, you're always sitting down talking to clients and working out well, what is the best mix of assets for them, what assets or investments should they be holding based on their circumstances of, you know, whether they're young and accruing money for retirement eventually or whether they're approaching retirement in the short term or whether they're already in retirement and based on their income needs and you know, how much money they have to invest, etc. So, um, yeah, like, if we've done our job right, then, um, yeah, look, the phone doesn't really ring. That's and, like, the podcast that we do are obviously about keeping people informed and up to date. So, yeah, look... Uh, we haven't had many calls at all. It's good um, because I suppose what we did do at the start of this uh, pandemic because we thought we'd get the podcast going. So there's podcast episodes that you can go back and have a listen to, guys, on the website, mulkay.com.au. But also all of Thane's updates, if you're interested in the in the share market or the economy and, and how it's all tracking, Thane does kind of monthly video updates that go up on the news page of mulkay.com.au. So if you're sort of interested in this area and you're not quite sure, um, obviously contact financial planning, but also have a look at those updates. They're pretty informative. Thank you. Um, the second part of our chat today, Thane, was about around personal insurance. And I actually brought this up with you because I know it's uh, it's part of what you do here, but we actually haven't touched on it in any of the podcasts. Um, and I think uh, it had a bit of a, a personal situation with a family member of mine a few years back who – uh, under, uh, unfortunately had a stroke so and he was insured um, with you here at Mulcanco which was to this day he kind of says it was probably the instigator to get his life back on track after the stroke so he had his health to look after but financially he had the right personal insurance in place which meant that he didn't also have the financial worry along with the health worry when he had a stroke. So um, I might get you to throw to you Thane just to give us a, an overview of kind of what personal insurances are available and um, for the listeners. Yeah, look, personal insurance cover, it's not definitely not a glorious topic to talk about um, and most people probably don't really like to talk about it and it's not generally until an advisor um, approaches it or broaches it with the client um, to bring it up to say, well, you know, what if in the scenario. So generally there's uh, five insurance policies um, for personal or individuals so one being life insurance, which is a lump sum amount paid in the event of death or terminal illness. Then there's total and permanent disability. So if you're unfit to work again, um, and there's a couple of definitions that are around that, but that's a lump sum payment as well. So whatever you or the advisor with you deems necessary or suitable based on your financial and family circumstances. Then there's trauma insurance. So trauma insurance is a lump sum amount as well. Um, so you, do, you get to choose what lump sum amount you want to be covered for. There's generally about 40 insurable events for that. And the main types of uh, claims under a trauma insurance policy are heart attack, cancer, stroke, deafness, blindness, etc. But as I say, there's 40 different insurable events with that. And then there's income protection insurance. So if you're unfit to work for a period of time, then you'll get paid 75% of your monthly salary. And so that can be paid all the way till age 70. Um, and then the last is business expenses policy. So um, so for those that are self-employed, a business expenses policy will cover their fixed costs within their business if they're unfit to work as well. And so you can nominate your sum insured based on how much you want to be covered as well. Um, so, yeah, look, most of those policies are uh, um, tax deductible as well. So 
income protection, business expenses, policies are tax deductible to the individual. Um, if life and total permanent disability covers structured through superannuation, you can claim a tax deduction for that as well. And then trauma insurance is the only one that you don't generally. Um, so, yeah, so we all insure our cars and homes and things like that. And uh, I suppose generally probably the way I look at it that your claim for a car, you know, might be, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars or, you know, less. Um, but I suppose if you aren't able to work or generate an income and, you know, depending on the length of time that you aren't able to generate an income, then the financial impact can be uh, much, much more detrimental. So I suppose for any one given period of time um, and obviously uh, we're at the forefront in terms of helping clients with that type of thing but within our office alone we'll probably have anywhere of 10 claims going on at any one point in time. Um, so, yeah, look, it is something that we see and there is an under-insurance problem in Australia. Um, that's always well and truly documented and I suppose part of it is that people don't really want to talk about it either. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I suppose, unfortunately probably a necessary evil. Now, Thane, one thing that might be confusing some of the listeners is isn't life insurance covered in your super fund? Would be one question you'd get a fair bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, so it is. Um, I was, for those people that have never reviewed superannuation, uh, which is eight in ten people, um, most of them probably do have an industry superannuation fund, which has then got a default amount of insurance cover in it. So, and that default amount of insurance cover is um, determined by the superannuation fund. Um, obviously, the individual gen generally doesn't select that amount. And it's purely just based on a formula of like how old the individual is and what the super fund deems appropriate. So given that humans are all different and financial situations are all different and um, family scenarios are all different, it's well and truly recommended that people review their personal insurance needs and make sure that it is adequate um, because most of the default insurance cover is uh, very minimal to say the least. And I suppose it's a, it's a good – that's why I wanted to talk about it on the podcast today because I think let's say take someone that's 35 years old, they're running their own business, they've got five staff, so there's five people relying on them turning up to work every day. They've got three kids at home and a mortgage and two car loans and some equipment finance with the business. There's a, there's a whole lot of kind of expense there that if that one person gets injured for whatever reason, so it could be a stroke, heart attack, fall off a ladder and they can't work for eight weeks or whatever it is, you've really got to make sure that there's something happening in the background with your personal insurance to make sure that not only those other staff members but, you know, um, your partner, your children, um, potentially your school fees, all that stuff um, can still be paid while you're um, – because that's what I was saying right at the start of this conversation. I had that family member and, you know, that really I, th I actually think uh, his physical recovery from that stroke was helped – by the fact that he didn't have financial strain and in the there background. There statistics so. that report that as well. Yeah, yep. And I think everyone, if, if, if everyone sort of listening to the podcast thinks about it, you know, their own situation and goes, oh, yeah, you know, am I actually covered if something went wrong? And and even not so much, let's say you're in, in that, you're that 35-year-old person and your partner's not working because they're looking after the kids. What happens if they get sick? You can't go to work as much. So. Yep. As you say, Thane, there's a lot of scenarios. Some people don't have much of a home loan because they might be a bit older in, um, in life. Yep. Some people might have a much bigger home loan or much bigger financial commitments at certain times of their life. So that's what you're saying. That individual that individuality of looking at your yeah, home, yeah. Your, your insurance is really important, isn't it? And look, it can be well and truly 
individualized and um, tailored to suit individuals. Um, that's what ad- advisors are here to do, like work with individuals to show you, well, um, this is what you can have, this is what the cost can be, this is how we can minimize it, this is how we can um, you know, claim tax deductions for things, reduce the net cost, etc. So yeah, well and truly, it needs to be a tailored plan. There's no doubt about that because as your circumstances and uh, change over time, there's no no doubt that it does alter. Um, it probably brings us right back to the to the title of this podcast is FS three sixty, and I'm looking at our little thing up on the wall here, which explains the ten um, the ten steps of financial security. But really, that is a uh, twelve steps. Sorry, tells um, twelve steps of financial security. So the idea is to make sure that you're protected in the background is really one of the key steps that we take here with clients because um, without that. You know, you're not going to have a business. You're not going to have um, financial security. You're going to be nowhere near it. So, they're one of the things. And I look, I I can probably put my hand up. Um, a long time ago, you know, I sat down with with Chris Mulcahy here, who's been my accountant for a long time, and and he, and I was entering my own business again after working for a local university for ten years. And he said, if you can't afford this insurance, you shouldn't be in business. Was his comment. And I think you sort of look at that, and sometimes you need that advice to say to for someone to say to you, this is you have to do it. Don't, you know, you can't not do it, you know. So I think uh, that was really good advice. And, and look, you know, it was only five years later that, you know, I had a family member claiming uh, on something that he'd only taken out four or five years previous. So um, it is really, really important. As you say, it's not a sexy subject. Some people sort of go, oh, yeah, but I'll be right. I'll never have a heart attack but uh, or whatever it is. But um, these days, I suppose, you know, um, you can't really – you can't really bank on anything happening the way you planned it, as we've all found out this year with COVID nineteen. So, I think that personal insurance is a is a real good one to sort of have a chat to a financial advisor about. Yeah, well, we spend all our lives maximising or trying to grow and amass wealth. So, the last thing you want to do is probably have it taken away from you in an instant because of an inability to work or uh, cover expenses. Yep. No, that's great. Look, and if anyone wants a bit of further information on that, as I said, we've got a five office network Australia-wide, so you can have a chat to the Mulcahy Co Financial Planners. Um, I know Thane's got some good information up on his financial planning pages on the website, um, mulcahy.com.au, about personal insurance. So I think that's a really good way um, to start is just to have a bit of a look. And maybe the first step is to have a chat with your partner or someone close to you to say, look, should we be doing this? Let's let's go in as a couple or um, together with a friend and go and get some information together. So that might be a good way to get started. Yep. Yeah. Look, as a uh, an interesting statistic, I think, but uh, you know, over twelve billion dollars was paid out in two thousand and nineteen for insurance from insurance policies, and with over ninety five percent of all claims accepted. So, in terms of the myth that people don't claim or that insurance companies don't pay out, they well and truly do. And I can put my hand up as, uh, you know, from a personal experience of dealing with people claiming that um, dealing with the claims, pretty straightforward. You know what you've got. Um, as long as the medical um, notes and everything like that from the doctors and specialists tick the box, it's all fine. And I can honestly say I've never had any issues with claims. Yep. That's great. And I was interested to hear you say you've got anywhere up to 10 claims happening at a time. That's a lot, isn't it? I suppose you've sort of got um, – it's probably the part of the, your job that people don't see is that, you know, once once your insurance cover's taken out or you've set someone up in a financial fund or whatever you're doing. Um, but, yeah, a part of it is just that coming back and doing that customer service at the end, which um, is right when people need it. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely, yep. 
Uh, thanks, Nate. It's um, great to have a bit of a chat about personal insurance and I hope that all the listeners have gathered something from that. Um, we're going to move on to our last segment of the day, which is um, the 22 things we've learned from business in 22 years. I'm going to throw over to Thane for this one. He's done a little bit of uh, homework and he's come up with a ripper. Just making sure you've got adequate risk management plans in place, which I think is the key. We've obviously – it is part of our FS360, uh, the 12 steps. Um, yes, it's not a glorious topic to talk about, but it's well and truly something that's integral as part of uh, making sure that you're adequately set up and protecting family, your business, uh, et cetera. So, yep, the uh, tip would be having adequate risk management plans in place. Um, and if you wanted to read a bit more about that, it's, it's number three on our FS360 wheel, which is available on the homepage of molkay.com.au. So go along and have a bit of a read about that. But um, thanks again for your time today, Thane. Always thank you for having me. And um, we'll check those views. Yes, we'll, we'll check, back we'll check the listens and then we'll give it to Chris Mulcahy when he doesn't get back on next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day and stay safe. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.